Hey everyone, Tri-State Sacks, Trista back with another Playing Around with Playbook this week. Today we're going to be speaking with multi-instrumentalist John Lampley, so I'm super excited to talk with him. Um, let's just give him a moment to log on like we normally do. It's just a waiting game. If any technical difficulties arrive, hopefully not. <laughs> Sammy won't be joining us today. Currently, hi John, thanks for joining. All right. That... Hi there. Hello. How's it going? It is going well. How are you? I'm good. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for joining. Um, very Ooh. fast, very fast, very quick with with joining the live. Usually it takes us a minute, but I got fast. you. <laughs> awesome yeah i think sammy's actually in the studio right now mixing so i don't think he'll be joining right now but i'm super excited to get started so i'm just gonna introduce you for our audience which is mostly your audience so they already know what's going down oh man um, john lampley has quickly established himself as one of the most exciting multi-instrumentalists in the world his musical journey began by playing at church on sunday mornings in his hometown of akron ohio while best known for his soulful playing on trumpet and sousaphone he's also a vocalist and songwriter his resume is already filled with collaborations featuring some of the biggest names in music, Stevie Wonder, Paul Simon, Billy Joel, Gary Clark, and he's the co-founder of the band Hunter Tones and is also touring with the rock band OAR. I'm not going to pronounce it or, hopefully it's OAR, <laughs> and has joined Corey Wong's The Wong Notes. So to start us off, I want to ask you our staple question, which is, what have you been listening to lately? Oh, wow. That is, I love that. I love that that's the first question. <laughs> that you lead off with. Um, I've been really, 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 really into the band Butcher Brown. Huh. Amazing band out of uh, RVA. Incredible. I love the way that they're blending genres, hip hop, jazz, rock, soul, funk. Had the opportunity to see them live at the Blue Note about a month ago, and it was one of the better shows I've seen in a long time. All of those musicians are absolutely incredible. So they have been very much in in a heavy rotation. Um, trying to think of what else I've been listening to. Um, I feel like I've been really into um, the Music of My Mind record by Stevie Wonder. I mean, I'm always listening to some version of Stevie Wonder's music, but that record especially is just... The, set, the sound he was getting to on it was is something that it, it's almost like haunting, like hauntingly beautiful at times, you know? Yeah, but, of, course, uh, of course. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's, it's just interesting because, you know, listening to a lot of Stevie Wonder and you've collaborated with him, that's probably amazing. And, you know, with Butcher Brown, I personally love Butcher Brown. And we actually just interviewed Corey Fonville last week on this podcast. So it's like, that. I say that. Yeah, Very yeah, cool. of course. I'm curious, because I know that you're a multi-instrumentalist, um, I'm wondering, how does your ability to play these instruments, you know, sousaphone, trumpet, you know, singing, songwriting, how has it impacted your playing, like, of each individual instrument, or even your teaching of them? I think that's, um, I don't think that, like, I, I think maybe to, like, go backwards and dissect the question from another angle. I think my general approach to music is less thinking of it as like, you know, okay, I'm a trumpet player, I'm a jazz mm -hmm. trumpet player, or like I'm a, you know, 
a sousaphone player, a tuba player, and more just like, I think of myself as a musician, whether I'm thinking about like playing the tuba, playing the trumpet, <laughs> and so like trying to understand the tradition behind those instruments, you know, like lineage of great players and bands behind those instruments, but also not necessarily just thinking about like, all right, I'm going to practice tuba or I have tuba on this gig. Like, what am I thinking? Excuse me. What am I thinking about as I approach this instrument for this band on this gig? It's more like a general, mm. like, I, like, I feel like I, the approach is to like understand and love music as a whole, you know, not try to divide it into these different things. And even like with instruments, I think of it like that. You know, if you listen to me play trumpet, you listen to me play tuba, it's different. You know, I'm thinking like, all right, I'm playing bass on this, this instrument versus I'm, a lot of what I'm playing on trumpet is like, you know, trying to play a little bit more melodic. But I think that my tuba playing, like my bass lines are like melodic bass lines mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm kind of thinking about it as also a trumpet player, or there are times where I'll be playing trumpet and maybe I'm playing stuff that's, you know, less trying to be like total, totally like linear and weaving through changes and more like groove oriented because I'm, you know, half of my brain is kind of still in bass player world. But, uh, and I guess another kind of another answer or angle to answer that question is, uh, I think when you're playing in any setting, it's really, really important not just to be thinking about like your the approach to your instrument, like your role, but it's kind of really important to be thinking about your role within the context mm. of everything else that's happening, right? You know, one of the things that's cool about playing in, you know, a bunch of different bands across time, whether it be, you know, currently playing with Stay Human on The Late Show or Hunter Tones or... Even like, you know, God, the first year of Sammy Miller in the congregation, it's like <laughs> in all of those bands, the way that I'm playing, it's like very much me, but it's, I'm, I'm inhabiting a different role. Yeah. Sonically, but also like energy wise, like my role in the band, it's like, am I, you know, more like, you know, rock out and do your thing. Is it more like, you know, you're supporting the leader or whatever that is. And I think that it's really important for any musician, like I found it in, you know, my approach to the instruments, but in talking about music to students or just other musicians, it's really important for people not just to focus on like understanding the language and the history of your instrument and the facility on your instrument, but really understanding whatever musical setting that you're in, like understanding the role mm -hmm. that you play in it, whether you're a band leader, whether you're a member, and really kind of, you know, shedding, if you will, you know, that thought, that, that muscle of thinking about that, because then it's like what you play, if you're thinking about music that way, and you're thinking about your role that way, what you play is informed by that, right? And what you practice is informed by that. Yeah, of course. I really like what you're saying about like, you know, specific role, and just like understanding the context, but also what you were talking about in terms of, you know, understanding like where it's coming from. And know a lot of music comes from, you know, the tradition of jazz. So, what advice would you give to young musicians, you know, breaking from the traditional jazz scene and exploring other genres like you have? I mean, so for me, it's like, you know, the I, I started, as you mentioned, playing in church. I, I, I didn't know when I was first approaching music. I didn't know anything about, you know, uh, 
man, Lee Morgan or Art Blakey or Ron Carter or Herbie Hancock. I didn't I, like when I my introduction to music. I didn't know about any of these people. I knew about the musicians that played in my church. You know, Wayne Smith and Evelyn Bailey, yeah, yeah. And Steve Boyer, and you know, Tim Clinton. These people were like heroes to me. And so, like, you know, there was no music. There's never any sheet music, but there was definitely like the music sounded a very specific way, mm. right? And it was, you know, there, there were specific chords and rhythms and there was a way of playing that immediately became kind of like my musical backdrop, right? And so that was, you know, playing in these bands, but also listening to, you know, like nothing but gospel for a very long time, for the very beginning, you know, it was like Mahalia Jackson or like more kind of contemporary gospel with Hezekiah Walker, Kirk Franklin, but all, you know, James Cleveland, like mm-hmm. all of these. So that was kind of my foundation. Fast forward, I started to get, you know, I, I didn't really dive into jazz until college. And so, you know, when my dear friend and mentor and first kind of official trumpet professor, Kenyatta Beasley, incredible musician and producer based here in New York, um, he was my first teacher at Ohio State. He was randomly teaching there while I was there the first couple of years. And he was like, yo, man, check out this solo on this song, Big Butter and Eggman by Louis Armstrong. This is going to give you... You know, 75% of the information you need to know about the tradition of jazz is coming from this cat. 100%, to be honest. But it was just like, it wasn't until I got to college that I really started to dig into, like, you know, trumpet players like Pops, mm. like uh, Freddie Hubbard, Roy Hargrove, who has become one of my deepest inspirations, um, Lee Morgan, Clifford Brown, all of these names that, you know, if you're, if you're in the jazz world, you, you know. Or, mm. But... but what I discovered then was like, wow, as I'm listening to this music and these songs and understanding the tradition of the great composers and arrangers and improvisers coming out of the jazz tradition, you draw the lines of like, wow, a lot of what's happening in gospel music is like, there's a straight line between this and that. And it's like a lot of the things that I was using my ears to find and hear within the context of the gospel tradition I was now being able to understand because I feel like with jazz, it was like, okay, let me see, like, what are the changes to this song? Mm. Let me transcribe this solo and see exactly how Freddie Hubbard is, Freddie Hubbard is like finding the line between, you know, over this blues or over these really interesting changes. And so it was almost like my introduction to jazz was like really understanding the tradition of that music, but also realizing how to connect the dots with my with what my ears already knew mm. and, I, and, and and so I think kind of going back to the original question a lot of people say that like if you want to be able to play any type of music I think jazz is a great starting point just because of you know it's the this this combo it's a beautiful combination of facility and improvisation like understanding having a technical prowess on your instrument but then being able to connect the dots in a way that is like very creative, very free, being able to put your stamp on it. And then once you kind of have that understanding, it's like, you know, and you can start to, you know, if you like, or somebody who starts in jazz, if they want to drift into Mm -hmm. the pop world or the country world, obviously they're very, or like Latin music, for example, there are very different traditions Mm -hmm. in all of that music that it would be important to like go understand the history of and the basis of 
you know, stylistic things. Like you, you always hear like when you hear like a jazz player on a pop gig who's <laughs> not, who has not checked out how to like do the pop thing or hasn't studied that. And it's like, ooh, man. And he'll be like, oh, man, no, I, I can play anything. This is easy. But then you're listening and you're like, that's not the thing. It's same not the thing. thing. Same thing with like a pop drummer who's playing the jazz gig. He's like, yeah, I can swing a little bit, but they haven't checked out the tradition. And it's like, ooh. But then, you know, you hear somebody like, you know, like, uh, man, somebody like Vinny Cauuti or like Cauuta or like there are so many amazing drummers now that are kind of like, or Antonio Sanchez or like cats who are like, wow. Or Jameson Ross is a great example where it's like, mm -hmm. this cat is tipping, like swinging hard, you know, sounding like, you know, Jack DeJanette or sounding like, you know, Elvin, but then also can play like the chopsy gospel fusion stuff in a way that doesn't sound like he's faking it. And mm -hmm. I think that that's kind of, it's really important because like, obviously like your jazz knowledge can inform how you approach other music and understand it but i will say that it is really really important to anybody who's listening to this or to anybody that is playing any kind of music it's really important to understand and really try to understand and like get a hold on the tradition of whatever the music is that you're playing like never think oh because i can shred over giant steps i don't have to check out you know the, the cats that were playing the way that these cats were playing on these Billy Joel records or this, these hollow notes records or these earth, wind and fire records, because mm -hmm. you listen to it and it's a very specific thing or these Stevie wonder records. It's like, it's not, it's not just this. It's like, there's a very specific intentional approach to all these different styles of music that is based on different traditions. And it's like black traditions, really, if we want to talk about it, but it's like, it's really important to just understand the root of all of those traditions and mm. not just say, Oh, because I, you know, can do this or because I can swing or because I can, I played on this pop gig for so many years, I can do this other thing. Really important to understand. That's another thing I love about Richard Brown and you listen to those cats play and it's like, they have checked out the traditions of all the stuff that they're doing, whether it be like mm -hmm. swinging, whether it be the Afrobeat thing, whether it be the rock thing, the hip hop thing, they're steeped in the tradition. And that's why the music sounds so authentic. Yeah. Of course, of course. You know, I can tell you're extremely passionate about understanding the lineage in order to break free from the the the, tra the tradition, which I feel like is a response we don't actually often get with other musicians who have, you know, broken from the jazz scene. Um, you know, you're talking about, like, you know, also just like putting your stamp on it once you understand that. How did you get others to believe in your vision? I mean, <laughs> it's really funny. I've always kind of felt a little bit like an imposter because I feel like I've been surrounded by so many incredible mm. musicians, specifically <laughs> jazz, like in the jazz world here in New mm. York. Like, I remember when I started playing with Sammy, it was like, God, like, who are you guys? How do you know exactly. every, every <laughs> Duke Ellington song and like what year it was recorded and what album it's on? But I mean, you know, it's it's been inspiring to kind of be around those types of musicians and then be like, all right, maybe like, let me also get into that tradition. But um, what was, uh, sorry, say the question one more time. I want to. How did you get that. others to believe in your vision? Like, right. Yeah. So, so I think what I realized early on, maybe in college was like the way that I play and approach music is very much rooted in this soulful kind of playing more, based on a feeling and trying to move 
myself, but also the people in the room rather than necessarily trying to execute something flawlessly mm. or, or, and obviously like I want to execute when I'm playing, but it's, it's much more about, you know, being able to move people. And I think what I learned is like, as I incorporated more of the tradition into my playing, mm-hmm. you know, people still were responding to like my thing the most. And I think it's because at the root of what I'm trying to do, whether I'm playing sousaphone or whether I'm playing trumpet or whether I'm, you know, singing in a band, whether I'm just being on stage, like somebody else is playing and I'm just giving energy. It's like, I'm trying to, to make the people in the room understand something, if that makes sense. Let me make sure real quick. Sorry. I just want to pause. I want to make sure this TV is like muted. I don't want it to start going. There we go. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, Sorry is he promoting? That. Is he promoting something in the back? Is he promoting? Yeah, something? no, no, no worries. I just I didn't want that to go. But um, <laughs> but um, the 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 way that I play is really focusing on like paying attention to the energy in the room and and, and trying to shift that in a way that is going to make somebody feel something positive. And what I found in that is that whether it be in a jazz setting, whether it be in, you know, touring in like kind of big rock shows with OAR, whether it be here, you know, like playing at the TV show, when the focus, and obviously you practice the tradition and you practice, you, you, you understand, you get all of that into your playing, but like to be able to focus on when you're playing, like, how can I move somebody or like, what, what is the energy that's happening in this room right now? And how can I channel that? in a way that's going to move somebody, whether it be like in a joyful way, which is what I'm all about, mm-hmm. or even like, even in like a, um, if, if it's a heavy energy, it's like, how can I move somebody in a contemplative way or a reflective mm-hmm. way? And I've, and I've felt that over time, like, and it, this is funny. Anytime I try to really like, Oh, you know, maybe, you know, I've been, I've been, I learned this solo the other day. I've been shedding my bebop stuff. Let me like, try to get this in here a little bit. People respond to that in a way it's cool. But whenever I'm like, actually, let me pay attention to what's happening right now. and like, play something that somebody that I feel, no matter the setting, people always respond to that. And I think that in my whole, like, as my career has progressed as a musician, I just really try to lean into that. And I realize that when people call me to be a part of something, or they or they want me to, you know, record on their record or to be a part of the show it's never because it's like oh man this cat can shut over anything it's like no matter what it is he's gonna make some he's gonna know how to make somebody feel something in the Mm -hmm. audience but also like kind of elevate the people that i'm playing with to hopefully feel something and to want to elicit feeling and emotion with their playing from each other and also from the audience yeah that's awesome i feel like i don't really I don't really think about that a lot, especially like in, you know, at this point in my own career, you know, in undergrad still, I don't, we don't really think about, you know, making people really feel something. It's more so just about, you know, what, what you can shed over. Um, no, so totally. That's great. That's and, great. And, and I would encourage you as well as, you know, anybody else to be thinking about that as you're growing into a musician, you know, the why, the why is very important, you know, and it's like, why are you doing this? Like, why are we practicing? Why, if I'm writing a certain type of thing, it's like, what is the purpose? Because it's really easy to treat music just like some, you know, quantitative thing where it's like, 
if I learn all the scales, if I learn all the solos, if I can play all of the best stuff over any tune, you know, if I can shred, shred over blues and I can shred over inner urge, all the hardest songs, then I'm going to get called to do the gigs. And it's like, again, nothing wrong with wanting to have all that facility, but it's like, as you're learning that stuff, if you're really thinking about why, what do I want to be doing? How do I want to play over these songs? How do I want to be able to use this information that I'm learning to create my own sound? Who do I want to reach with my music? It's like, if you're thinking about that stuff early on, it's just going to really create intention in your playing and in your vision. And I feel like all of the musicians that I know that are able not only to like reach a lot of people, but that are able to do this for a long time, feel good about it, get joy in it and not necessarily, you know, feel like they're burnt out or just feel like, you know, they're working, but it's just a constant mm -hmm. kind of like punch the clock are people that have really been focused on that intention. Like Corey, uh, Corey Wong is somebody who in playing with him for the past few years, it's like he writes so much music, but with all of the music that he's doing, with the show that he's presenting, there's intention behind it. There's always like, this is what I'm trying to say. This is the mm -hmm. energy of the song. And it, that works and it reaches a lot of people. So like, you know, as you're shedding the notes and the rhythms, shedding your intention, thinking about your intention, hmm. it's really important. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us today. I'm going to ask you our last question because I know we're running a little bit longer than anticipated, but um, why, do you feel, why do you feel digital platforms are important or not important in today's classroom? Oh man, I mean, I mean, most people spend a solid portion of their day engaging with a digital platform, whether it be this one, whether mm -hmm. it be something, you know, you're hanging out on a tablet, you're looking at something on a computer, but all, but like, I guess as it pertains to um, education, it's like, everything is shifting this way, right? All of the mediums are shifting toward, you know, shifting where the technology is shifting. And I think that if, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this. There are a lot of educators or education platforms that are not changing the way they're trying to teach the tradition in a way that is relevant. Mm -hmm. A great example is like, you know, if I'm, if I'm taking a, if I'm taking a college, if I, if I'm studying music in college, if, if I'm taking a course, if I'm, if I'm aiming for a degree in music for the sake of being able to have a career in music, right? I should be learning tools that are relevant to like being a professional musician. So if I'm in college taking courses to attain performance degree and I'm not learning how to like record myself I'm not learning how to use an interface how to set up you know a DAW whether it be logic pro tools if I'm not learning if you're not learning how to film yourself to create recorded content because also it's like where are the majority of people consuming music outside of you know not a lot of people are buying CDs anymore you're, you know, you're streaming stuff, which is, you know, making records, but like YouTube, right? 
how are people getting themselves out there? They're building YouTube channels. They're building followings on Instagram, on TikTok, on all of these things. And as an educator, I don't think you should ever forsake like teaching the tradition of the thing. Like you don't want to walk into a music class and be like, wow, we're only learning about how to make reels. We're only learning about how to use a ring light. You know, never want it to be that. You want to learn about all those things, but you always want it to be steeped like in the important stuff, the tradition, mm -hmm. the artists that are part of tradition. But I think it is equally important for educators to widen and widen the focus on like, look, you want to be a musician. You want to advertise yourself. You want to put yourself out there. You want to be able to make a living. You need to know how to create content for these platforms in a way that is going to increase your brand and increase your professional value. So I think it is really important to be learning about how to use these platforms, you know, whether you're in school. And obviously, there's a lot you can learn on your own. But like as educators, it's really good to be focusing on teaching these things, being, being aware of these things yourself. And then like, all right, if I have a student that I have a music student and they want to write music, I should be teaching them how to use logic in tandem or like teaching them how to use finale or Sibelius in tandem with trumpet lessons in tandem with that. But also like, you know, like all these things like business savvy things, but specific to the question of technology and streaming platforms, I think it's really, really important for educators to be to have an understanding of how all of the platforms work on their radar and then to be communicating that knowledge to a younger generation so that as they're coming up, they can be well-rounded musicians, but also, you know, when you graduate college, have a sense of like I have, or high school or college, or whatever the course, I have a sense of, you know, how to develop my brand professionally because mm -hmm. as much as music is about the tradition and creativity and growth, it's about, you know, if you want to do it professionally, it's about how can I pay my bills? How can I eat? How can I build something that is maybe going to take care of, you know, grow and, and take care of myself and a family or whatever long term? And I think it's really important to have all the tools necessary with where we're at in this day and age in 2022, hmm. you know, to be able to do that. Of course, of course. Thank you for that. And thank you so much for being here with us today. It's great to virtually meet you and great to hear your perspective on everything. Everyone, you know, continue. Everyone that is all of John's followers on here, continue to follow John on Instagram and follow or check out uh, Playbook Jazz at Playbook Jazz on Instagram. And this is Playbook.com. And John also has a show at Lunatico this next Wednesday with the Hunter Tones before they head to Italy for the Umbria Jazz Festival. And his new project called Night Service will be performed there on July 24th. So thanks again, John. It was great to meet you. And I'm going to sign off now. Thank you. Thanks Bye. for hanging, everybody.